Lone Star Disc is a company that is in Conroe, Texas. Not only are they a disc golf company, but they're a self-manufacturing, self-propelling disc golf manufacturer. Um, basically, what that means is they get all of the all of the plastic. <laughs> they have their own machines. They sell their own discs. They make their own discs whenever they want to. They have their own custom artist series stamps. Speaking of which, have you seen the new one, the Tombstone? I have. It it's just... is fire. It looks so good. <laughs> um, but they are a family-owned business, and we really, really want to thank them for supporting this podcast. And we love throwing their plastic. Yeah, honestly, I've been having a great time getting a chance to really just learn a new brand. Um, you know, it's been a long time since I've really been able to just get a bunch of new discs from a single company and really start trying to find where they fit in my bag. But it's been pretty exciting so far. Um, not everything's making my bag, but a lot of it is going to be making my bag here. Yeah. So what uh, what disc is your favorite right now? Uh, I'm curious. For me, right now, actually, this is going to sound really silly, but the Penny in um, the Glow Plastic. Okay. And as stupid as that sounds, so I haven't really been that big of a fan of it as a putter-putter. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a little more overstable than I think I would like it to be. Maybe it'll beat in and be a little bit more understable. But I'm, as of right now, still preferring my fees over the Penny as a putter, but... Um, you, we had this conversation a while back that I was really looking to try to find something that flies similar to how the fee does out of the box, but not in the base plastic because all fees are base plastic only, and I, I can't, you know, I can't throw those base plastic. They get too understable right. too quick. So the penny in that glow plastic has quickly turned into something that I'm going to be keeping around in my bag. The flight and the glide, mm, that's money. And I didn't think that would be uh, the one was, I liked the most. I, I was thinking. What you did there. I I I thought it was gonna be <laughs> I thought it was gonna be something more like you know <laughs> no I did get it <laughs> but I thought it was gonna be one of the drivers personally but mm -hmm. it, the penny is has been the biggest surprise for me so far yeah I to be honest with you I'm honestly surprised with the warbird um especially forehand it I was expecting destroyerish right because of the numbers but. It flips up and rides straight, um, a lot, a lot better and more consistent than the destroyer does, um, especially yeah. on forehand. Um, yeah, I'm still iffy on the warbird. I know I'm going to be keeping one of them mm -hmm. in the bag, but I haven't decided which plastic I like more yet. Right. So, and it's re it's really sad because I think I'm leaning towards the blue one, even though that rainbow sherbet one is so. Good looking. That one goes but on the, the wall one, if it doesn't make I think, the bag. I think the blue one Jeez. flies just a little bit better, you know? Yep. All right. We don't want to waste you guys' time tonight, so let's head right into it. We're going to start off with a quick, quick recap of the Mid-America Open. I'm going to be honest, man. I didn't watch it. Yeah. I, would, I, I really I didn't watch a single lick of it. I didn't watch any of the post-production. I didn't watch anything except for the final hole on live coverage. <laughs> Um, I mean, we had some personal stuff going on this weekend that I, I didn't have as much time as I would have liked, but I also didn't feel compelled 
to really watch it. So one of the things I wanted you to do for me is sell it to me. What about it that you watched makes – what do you think should have been the reason or the reasons why I should go back and watch it now? So I don't have any other than Alden Harris winning uh, (laughs) in MPO. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, that was a pretty exciting win. We've right. been calling it all year. It was just he a matter really of time. Well. Um, he truly did. Chris Clemens uh, put up a really good uh, fight that last round. Um, also, Chandler Kramer shooting the uh, course record, 11 down that, that final round. Uh, also, Jake Hebenheimer, Mr. Cornhole putt, shooting a 10 down the final round. Um. What was what was it that we were going to call that putt? I forgot what it was. We were going to call it the Hebenheimer. Oh, yeah, the Hebenheimer. Well, yep. He used the <laughs> Hebenheimer all weekend long. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so the way it played out is uh, Alden Harris taking it down at 26 under. Chris Clemens and Gannon Bird tied for second at 24 down. Uh, Anthony Barella coming in fourth at 23 down. And Kyle Klein taking fifth place at 21 down. Um, from what I've seen, uh, I watched, of course, we only had the last day to watch, um, right. but Alden was pretty much in control, um, he never looked out of sorts, um, even on hole 17, which was kind of crucial, um, right. he hit a tree right off of the drive, and then hit another tree on the upshot. And he still got up and down for a bogey and only lost one stroke on that hole after hitting two trees within the first 150 feet. So his scramble rate, really, really good. Has to be. Um, (laughs) But he had 100% circle 1X, C1X putting, and uh, 50% C2. So... It's it's pretty good. He put on a performance, and we kind of knew it was only a matter of time before we seen him uh, on top of the podium. Yeah. No, I mean, the biggest question now is is just how much longer until we start seeing him pull together these kind of performances on the and pro- maintaining them series. on the Elite Series side. Yeah. Um, uh, we know he that, can compete there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's going to be there, be around. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a name to talk about going forward. Uh, I don't know that he's ever going to be top five elite guy, but he's definitely going to be a guy you got to watch out for, you know, snagging a win every year. Oh, yeah. You know. I completely agree. Um, one thing, um, we'll get into the Gannon situation here in a little bit, um, but I'm going to go ahead and swap over to FPO. Um, and Let's do it. Kind of write that down. Uh, so we had Sarah Holcomb taking it down. Um, she really wasn't ever in danger the last round, the final round. Uh, she had she was, a very comfortable She lead. was in danger after the first three holes, and then it yeah. kind of, the, yeah, the ship it kinda, righted itself naturally. <laughs> yeah, she kind of came back, but, um, Sarah Holcomb taking it down at an even finish, uh, shooting two over that final round. Uh, Kat Merch coming in second at five over. Natalie Ryan at seven over, tied with Jessica Weiss. Uh, it's seven over as well. Um, then for 
tied for fifth. We had Holland Hanley and Alex Benson. So there was uh, there was some notable names here. Um, this was the first time that Sarah Holcomb had won this event in 13 years. Wild. Yeah, that's a pretty wild <laughs> stat. Um, but she made it back. You know, back in the winner's circle at Mid-America Open. So congratulations to her. Absolutely. Now, in the in the first couple of holes there, um, when you started to see that gap really, really close down, uh, did you think that there was ever a chance for Cat Merch? Did you think she was really going to come out and finally just take a hold of a tournament for herself and ride it out to the end? I mean, we've been waiting on that to happen, but it didn't happen this tournament. No, I don't know why. I mean, I saw Sarah basically just choke, absolutely choke, for holes one, two, and three, and Cat just kind of played it smooth and cool. I really thought that there was a good opportunity for her to go out there and actually have a chance at taking this down. And then she kind of just coughed it back up again. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to come back from behind, but to maintain uh, the chase down is is definitely hard to hard to finish. <laughs> So absolutely, we know she has a lot of fire. Uh, it's absolutely. just we gotta we gotta see her start channeling that mm-hmm. into these final rounds and, and taking down the wins. Um, it 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 almost feels like she just has a tendency to lose herself out on the course in these final rounds. So yeah. hopefully, Cat Merch can kind of start taking those down, give it a little bit of an opportunity to give her more wins. This one definitely slipped away from her a bit though, because uh, there was an opportunity that door like. It didn't even squeak open. It flung open, and she just kind of missed out on that opportunity. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and swing on over and talk about Ganon a little bit. Um, So basically, the chase card on the final round, right, they had made it through hole 18, back to the clubhouse, signed autographs, and coming back out to watch hole 18 by the time that they had made it to hole 18. Um, there was about a 45 to 50 minute gap between the two cards. And that was because Gannon. Um, yep. Gannon is taking a very, very long time. Um, it's been noted in the past that He's kind of like the modern-day Nico of time usage, at least. And I I, I don't know exactly. I know that uh, he was called in the second round, and he sped up, and he played fine. Um, Somebody, I think it's just going to have to be one of those enforcing rules in order to get anything corrected, or just take the rule out in general. I think so. I mean, the biggest thing for me is that you've got to either curb this now or you need to just do away with it. Uh, But given what we've just seen and what we're about to talk about here in just a couple of minutes, there's it seems to me there's really no option. You have to um, you have to curb this and you have to curb it now while he's still young because you cannot let him continue to get in a groove at his pace of play 
and allow it to continue to affect everybody as they are out there. Right. Um, and, you know, when they finally decide to call it, expect it to change, you know, and they've got to start calling these stroke penalties now and they got to start enforcing it and they got to start enforcing it, you know, across the board, because if we're going to start actually enforcing this rule, it needs to be widespread um, and it needs to be fair for everybody. But, you know, when you have a player who is becoming a problem with this style of play, particularly the amount of time that they're taking to play, yeah. you have to curb it now or you just kind of have to let it go. The best example that I could really give you is that at a job I had, you know, a while back, one of my best friends had a habit of being the guy who was always five minutes late, right? Mm-hmm. And that's no big deal. He was a great employee. He did all of his work. Everybody loved him. We always called him the golden boy because he never got in trouble for anything, right? Um, and then two or three years down the road, something kind of changed, you know, or he started saying no because they were putting too much on his plate. And there was this weird instant click where right. everybody was like, you're five minutes late. I'm writing you up for this. Uh-huh. Okay. No warning. No this, that. You're telling me that after three years that I've been with this company, I've been consistently five minutes late every single day. And you're going to write me up for it today? Like, you can't, you can't let it happen. No. You have to, if you're going to start this, especially for a player that has this issue, start it early, start it while they're young. Don't let them get five or ten years down the road in their touring career before you start saying, now it's really a problem, we have to start calling it. Well, and I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter saying that it's hurting disc golf as well, uh, viewership-wise. Yeah, it's taking too long. I mean, let's look at it this way. If you talk about baseball, the biggest things that they've done in baseball over the course of the last five years is they focused on pace of play. Yeah. Because nobody wants to sit there and watch the pitcher step off the mound seven times because they can't get the pitch call right. Yeah, okay. And then it's been five minutes between the last pitch and the next pitch. There wasn't a timeout. Nobody got a hit. Nobody was walked. Nobody. No, you're talking between one ball and one strike and two balls and one strike. There was a five-minute gap because the pitcher just steps off and steps off and steps off and steps off. And so they've started implementing their own forms, like yeah. a clock, to speed up the pace of play and make sure – you know, and and there is some leeway, like, you know, okay, well, if you go too long because of a certain good reason, okay, you know, there there's some stuff. But they're going to start, you know, clocking you on it and say, hey, don't do it again. You just went over the clock. There wasn't a good reason. Right. And they're, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that continues in other sports and, and that sort of, you know, pace of play issue. But that's been the biggest focus because a lot of people have – mentioned that they're losing viewership in baseball because the game is too slow yeah and it's increasingly difficult to try to grow this sport on a level that we want it to and create the best visual product in videos like this or in live coverage if you have to wait two or three minutes between shots especially when you're talking about the fact that the chase card is already done and it took the lead card another hour to finish the course. Yeah. You can't cut that and go to another shot. You can't, it, you know, it, you it, can't save it, that it was, time anywhere. Yeah, exactly. On the lead card, especially because it—that's what—that's really what made it so noticeable, is because there's nothing to shoot over to, right? So it really got put on blast, and there it, it kind of took the disc golf media world by storm, and everybody was like, 
you know, just calling them out on it, basically. And they're like, either get rid of the rule or enforce it. And I, I think that getting rid of the rule is the wrong decision. Um, I think that because I think the rule is good for a pace of play, right? It's there, and we should use it. If we take it away, yeah, sure, some people it's fair to, some people that get up and throw 15 seconds, um, it's going to be miserable for them. So I think even if you push it to 40 seconds, right, give it 10 seconds longer, I'm fine with that. That's not a minute and a half, two minutes. 40 seconds, 45 seconds, and make it a stroke penalty if you cross it, if you get called, rather than a warning. Um, I I think just go ahead and mark the penalty stroke because then it's always in your mind, right? Or or even even having, you know, and this is convoluted and maybe a little too complicated – but another concept or idea is having two separate pitch clocks, if you will. Having a time to choose your play and then having a time once you step up to your disc to make the play. As stupid as that might sound, but you've got you know, 20 seconds to choose your play. As soon as you step up to that disc, though, 30 seconds starts. You cannot take any longer than that 30 seconds. Do something to speed up the game. Because yeah. you can't be stepping up to your disc, preparing a throw, spend 30 seconds on preparing this throw, and then back off, grab a new disc, and start it all over again. That's, I mean, I watched, I watched one hole of this coverage, guys, and I got bored. <laughs> I literally watched I mean, him do that two different times, and I only watched stopped, one hole. It literally stopped the story because the commentators are out of flow as well. You know what I mean? Like, because they're like, okay, well, there's, uh, he's doing this, I guess, I, you know. And it's like, he's a great young man, but he's a little slow. <laughs> it's like, what else can you say? As a commentator, it's yeah. just making their job harder. And yeah, exactly. We don't want that. The commentator's job is hard enough. Um, and as of late, they've been doing well, but then out of nowhere, they're getting the Gannon Burr incident, the Nico incident, like, this stuff is putting them in very hard situations. It's good learning curves and good learning points, yeah. but I mean, come on. If if nothing is a wake up call, let this be a wake up call to anybody who's listening and maybe disagrees with this concept and says, you know what, I don't mind it. It's it's whatever. I just like watching disc golf. I think he's a great player. I love watching him play. I agree. I love that. But Drew Gibson literally went to Twitter and said, and I quote, "We finished our round." I ate food, went all the way back to my hotel, laid down, and then I was still able to turn on the round because they were still playing. And he was on chase there card. Should, there should – from chase card, finished his round, did all of that. You should never, ever have to tell me that – or you should not be able to tell me that, you know, that's okay. So, <laughs> Liz in chat says, I feel that – I feel that one of the main issues is that the players are always going to be apprehensive about calling their colleagues out on it. If you think about it, this was really only brought into the forefront because of Nico and an official making the call. I think we will only see this improve if more officials make the call because I don't see the players making the call out of fear of retribution or just feeling uh, like they're being that guy. And I yeah. do I do feel that 
um, I agree with that because technically Drew is that guy, right? Drew Drew right. is that guy. Um, he will call people yeah. out on it. Um, a lot of people will not, and they are afraid to. I mean, you think about the thing that happened with Nico um, over in Europe, and it's when you see that kind of behavior, who's going to try to do that, especially when there's no PDGA sanctioned official, there's no marshal, you know, like, why? Exactly. And we've had this conversation at least 10 times in our 30-plus episodes where yes. we've talked about having marshals on the courses, taking this out of the player's hand. The player should have one job, and that should be... Focus um, on their you know, Well, and if you see a mistake... Report it to somebody, sure. Yeah. You know, depending on the situation, you might, you know, when you give courtesy warnings, I see players give courtesy warnings all the time. Yeah. Right? That happens. But that's really more of like a, hey, bud, you know, I just noticed you did this. Try not to do that again. You know, that's simple, easy enough, quiet. When you start calling, like, time violations, you're starting to say, hey, you know, you went over 30 seconds. If it happens again, it's going to be a stroke. Right. Players should not have to sit there and say, you're getting penalized a stroke for this. That's not their job. Their job should be to focus on their round and report that to the next official available. And I'm not saying we need time officials on every hole or this, that, and the other, but I I mean, how uncomfortable is it for you? Like, even when you're just playing on your own tournament cards in our amateur divisions, when somebody's like making mistake after mistake after mistake, and you're trying to focus on your round, but you also kind of want to, you know, help them out or whatever it might be. I mean, there's been times where I've looked at somebody and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to call you on it, but just look out for this in the future because of whatever, like, you know, and most of the time it's met very nicely like oh yeah okay that's great but every now and again you get that player that's just like what did you say to me exactly just and a then little they blow start up. getting standoffish and then uh-huh. it ruins the mood on the entire card not just for you and, and it... then you have to worry about when you get a player who bl- blows up on you like that then you have to start worrying about being exactly above reproach because then you don't have you have to worry about what are they going to call out on you and so on and exactly. so it's such a downer on your round when the player has to be the person to make these calls. Yep, I, I, I can't completely even agree. I completely agree. Um, I, I don't know. They've got to figure something out because it is hurting the sport. Um, yeah. So, and and we know that it's hurting the sport because it's only happening to a very select few players. It's not as often as we would think, and it is, it's like being put on blast. Therefore, they know they need to do something about it. Right. Um, it's kind of the only thing that people are really focusing on right now. They have to take a, they have to take a stand yeah. on it. They have to figure it out. I'm sorry. And as much as I like, it kills me to say this. Um, as we start to transition from the Gannon thing into the the actual Nico conversation. It sucks when we're talking about what happened with Nico. And, you know, I, I want to point out that Nico wasn't just called for courtesies at this point. Nico was actually called for a stroke penalty. Okay. Yeah. He actually, they took the next step and penalized him a stroke. Gannon Burr should have been penalized a stroke umpteen times just in the live coverage of the final round. 
Nobody made the call. Nobody put their foot forward and actually did it. So now we're in a situation where we have a player that is getting suspended because, yes, they made bad decisions. But you, you have this other player here who should have gotten that stroke penalty and should have been put under that same duress and have to make a good decision and keep their cool. Right. And they got a, a courtesy warning on the second day and really never heard about it again. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... You know, some people actually have been pointing that out. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Um, <laughs> um, so that a lot of social media has been pointing that out um, about how the PDGA actually took it under their wing and did something right for the first time. And Disc Golf Pro Tour is slacking. Whereas for the past two years, it's been the complete opposite. So I don't think the Disc Golf Pro Tour will uh, let it happen much longer. I truly don't. Um, and uh, Lone Star Josh is out here asking how many teams is umpteen. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot, my guy. He also called me for a courtesy violation for having my guitar case wide open. Listen, man, I would be doing you a disservice for not allowing you to look at my beautiful Taylor acoustic guitar. All right? Very proud of my baby. That's my baby. I want Houston. you to see it. Houston. All right, you stick. let's get into the to the meat of this episode. Nico LaCastro, right. um, I know you haven't read as much about it as I have, so I'll go ahead and kind of introduce this here. Nico LaCastro has been officially, and by that I mean there are multiple news sources who reported it. I have not personally found a PDGA um, official comment. What's but, that, law and order? Dun, dun. Dun, dun. All right, all right. <laughs> So he's been officially suspended for nine months and then will face 15 months of probation after that. He will be, uh, the suspension was officially filed on the 8th um, and that will be lifting on May 8th of 2023. Before we get into the conversation of, you know, yes, no, maybe, should it have happened, did it happen, blah, 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 blah. Let's start with nine months. Um, to put this into perspective for you, nine months if the current schedule were copied and pasted until next year, yeah. right? So if you took 2022 schedule, put it in 2023, that means that he is out through the DDO. That means he misses Vegas Challenge, Waco, Belton, Texas State, Music City, Tallahassee, Champions Cup, uh, Jonesboro, DDO. He would not be back until the West Coast Swing for Masters Cup and OTB, assuming everything stayed the same. It's massive. I personally, if you guys remember anybody who was actually with us um, when we had talked about it the first time, my personal prediction was he would get suspended through Waco, which would have taken him uh, through the middle of March, basically, and that he'd be back around Texas State, assuming the schedule stays the same or at least is very, very similar. Right. Um, so they basically took me, took mine, and upped it by another two months. Yeah. What are and, your thoughts? And, well, I was expecting anywhere between at least six, and I wouldn't have been surprised if it would have been a year. Um, so they met me right in the middle. So this is pretty much what I had thought. Um, basically, I, I'm not surprised at all. Um I knew yeah. that it was going to have some kind of uh, bigger uh, notion to it. So I felt like six months just wasn't quite enough. Um, 
where they can be like, all right, well, he's out the rest of the season. He'll come back. It's fine. I think you needed that right. just little bit of extra just to say, hey, this is serious. And it puts more people's eyes on it. Um, right. I guarantee you, guarantee you, but when he does come back, they've already got a story built in mind. Because right. he's coming back. You know what I mean? Oh, it, absolutely. It's, he's talking about it every day. Um, but I, uh, I completely agree with Josh and Chat. It really gives him an opportunity to prove that he is prepared to continue to give back to his community in many ways. Um, he, he says that he met him several times on tour and is genuinely a pleasant person. Time to prove that to everyone. And I do agree. I mean, we had a great interview with him. We truly did. Yeah. Um, he was. He doesn't do very many interviews, and he was very kind enough to do an interview with us. Um, so we would. We're not bashing Nico at all. What he did was not right. Um, and that's like if Daniel done it, I would tell him the same thing. But it's, it's just the way it is. You got to know how to hold yourself accountable, and hopefully, he's doing so. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, I thought that recommendation or my idea of how long I thought he should or would be suspended, I kind of thought I nailed it a little bit. Basically, you give him the rest of the year off and you also take away his opportunity to get next year started front and center. You know, I don't think he deserves to be out there for the first event at the very least, um, front and center at the very first event of the 2023 season. I kind of felt like maybe it was a little bit too long overall. Um, you know, if we really, if we look at that schedule again, I think, you know, assuming again, that schedule kind of comes back and, and really does it the same way, you know, you take worlds away from him this year, you've taken USDGC away from him and, if the schedule holds, which they so, might have announced hang on. The, the, the dates, you take Champions Cup away next year as well. The USDGC is not PDGA sanctioned, right? It is sanctioned. It's not rated. It's an X tier. Right, but it is a sanctioned okay. event. So we talked about that a few weeks ago as well. So, I mean, he is still not going to be able to play at USDGC. Um, basically, all they've done is they've – and they still technically rate the, the events – the ratings do, are not counted on your rating profile, though. Right. Um, the last that I read about it. But it is still technically a sanctioned event. Um, I, I still think I think that's a little bit too long. I think taking a couple tournaments or at least one tournament away at the beginning of next season, totally fine. Taking the first major away next year seems harsh. And that, that's that's kind of where, where I felt with it. Um, but if any of you guys in chat agree or disagree or have any other comments on your feelings of it, please let me know. I would definitely like to hear what you have to say. Um, if you guys haven't already, I put a poll in chat um, asking what you guys felt about the verdict and whether you felt it was too long, just right, or not quite long enough. Um, but... <laughs> So what? Josh got me in, in chat, I'm not going to lie. He says, Nico's about to have the hottest number one bag tag streak in his local club. Yeah, that, yeah. 
those poor people need it's, to watch out, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're not winning a bag tag ever again. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's going to be – don't worry. Oh, he'll still be playing. Gosh. He will still be playing. Yeah. Um, I, but let's – go ahead. What you got? I was wondering, though. Um, so he's still in Finland right now, um, which is odd because Cat's back here. Um, but regardless – um, <laughs> maybe he, there's an issue with his passport now. Hold yeah, on. totally. That's, <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, but yeah. So Cat's back here. Uh, Nico's still over in Finland. Um, is the there's two European tours, right? The Prodigy Disc Tour and the Euro Tour. Or are they both PDGA sanctioned? That's I'm yes. wondering. You know, if there's like another tour over there that's not PDGA or whatever, and. No, he's trying to get on that because that would I mean, be maybe not. I mean, I know that there's, you know, there's talks about more PDGA or non PDGA events starting to become a real thing. Live golf is uh, starting to open up some eyes maybe. And we might yeah. start seeing that in disc golf, especially, um, especially if PDGA, you know, doesn't get on board with their players, because I'll tell you what, the player reaction to Nico has not been quite as kind as as a lot of people. Um, right. I would have to say. I, Josh I is asking a real agree. question: Does he continue to grow the hair out? No, nah. I think so. Nah. I do. I think Bro. so. It's going full fro. It's good. It's, exactly. He, he's gonna. How, like, what? What are the chances? Pristine. Do you think he goes like f- full Colin Kaepernick with it? Or no, nah, worse, more. Oh, more? Yeah, I feel more. Um. Is it a live disc golf, baby? Hey, don't worry. The DGPT is the live of the PDGA. Changed my mind. I actually said that on on stream. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Um, no, I disagree. Just, I, I see, think this is I this is where just, he comes in. All right, so DGPT is just a streamlining of the tour events. Okay, but I agree with you, Josh. Um, <laughs> chat is wild. Um, so Chat, chat's wilding right now, man. <laughs> um, the way that I look at it is, if they wouldn't have joined forces, which we do not know that Live and the PGA will not eventually join forces because I, that would blow the world up. But um, <laughs> I could see it. Yes, you're right, Josh. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think it could happen where they join and then then we could really say the dgpt is live <laughs> all right so back to these player reactions um obviously the voice that's getting the most noise right now is paul Macbeth. um so, I'm gonna... so i don't know this one i'm excited to hear this okay paul Macbeth posted on his instagram in his stories um nine months for a first-time offender I understand the situation could have been handled differently, but the claim in, but to claim intimidation as the offense seems off to me. The official doesn't step back like someone who's intimidated. He also stares a player down instead of trying to defuse the situation. Professional officials should know that players' stress levels elevate um, while competing in all sports, so why instigate the issue? I hope Nico appeals the situation. From what I saw, it's a Class C at most. That surprised now, me to the fullest. I'm going to be honest. He got 
a lot of flack for that almost immediately. So he yeah. backed that up after getting the flack. He says, I'm obviously going to get a lot of messages on my take, but here's my reasons. Number one, the official makes a call on Nico for 30 seconds. He asks why, and on three occasions gets all three answers. Nico says, step away. The official takes a step back. Nico walks back to his bag. The official continues staring him down the entire time. Nico confronts the official for staring at him, not for the call. The fact that he's suspended for Class A intimidation seems off to me. I mean, that's basically what he said in the other one, and I disagree with him. A hundred percent. Not only that, I, I want to point this out. For anybody who's out there and has been seeing everything that's going on, and you're, again, I, everything that I have information-wise on the official sanctions have come from uh, sources like... Uh, ulti world disc golf i have not seen the official pdga statement if there is one even out there i looked for it for at least an hour before we went live on the podcast i could not find an official pdga statement onto this but i want to point out there that in the first statement when it was all said and done they came out and said we dq'd him from the event uh they said we've dq'd him from the event we've sent it to a committee for review we also want to notify you that he was standoffish in the post round. Mm -hmm. He refused to cooperate. And that is also a class misdemeanor as well. So you have to remember when you talk about this entire judgment call, if you will, he's getting judged on two offenses, not just a singular one. I don't know how much that plays into their decision, but it had to have affected it in some way, shape or form. Because if we're being completely honest, if we got that PDGA statement and they said he cooperated post-round, he helped us out, he answered all our questions, gave a statement, apologized, this, that, and the other, I think we're talking about a three-month suspension right now. Yeah. I think we're talking maybe the end of this year at the absolute most. The rest of the season, maybe. But the fact that you add that secondary class misdemeanor in there, whether that's an A, B, C, you add that on top of the fact that apparently they're classifying the initial contact as A has to have it had to have made some sort of a difference in their conversation, right? Right. I agree. Chat saying, hey man, don't speak logically. I, I'm not gonna lie, you're not the first person to tell me that this week. <laughs> Won't be the last. It's only yeah, Tuesday. That's, that's my life. Okay, listen, logic has no place in uh, in the business of disc golf, right? Is, is that what they say? Yeah. Something like that? All right. Now, I, I want to jump back onto another side. We know that there is, quote-unquote, a little Paul Brody rivalry that's kind of been building up over the course of this year, supposedly. And um, Brody actually ended up tweeting out something along the lines of, um, hey, you know, I just read Paul's screenshots, and I got to be completely honest, uh, it's a pretty bad take from Paul. Um, he backed it up by saying it was obvious the punishment for Nico was going to be severe. With it being the first one and how much publicity it got, it wasn't surprising that they put their foot down on this one. I think that's that's important to note. The, the, the amount publicity. of publicity. It does matter. And that's the reason that we were talking about the whole Gannon issue is because it's brought so many eyes because it was on that final round and they didn't they they had to show it. So it, publicity has to go into it because they the PDGA, the DGPT, they have to respond accordingly. That that's that's all it is. Cat's in here saying, hot take, Daniel levels the, the official in the same situation. 
I got to be honest. You're not necessarily wrong, but at the same time, I would never be in that situation because I have the opposite problem. I really should think about my shots for at least another <laughs> 10 seconds more than I do. <laughs> and I don't. I'm the stand up and throw kind of guy. So I would never get called for a 30 second violation. Foot fault? Sure, maybe. Um, you know, who knows what else I might get called for, but a 30 second violation? Not in my repertoire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> welcome in, Ben. Welcome in. Uh, welcome um, in. So, yeah. I, so I guess. We're, I'm, I mean, I'm good. I think we've covered enough uh, negativity. <laughs> for no, the, we got to get it all, see, all I, out there. I don't know. You could all just, of it you could just say you're bad at disc golf. I mean, that's, that's fine. You could, you could say that. Playing fast and being bad at disc golf are not the same thing, Josh. Okay? Okay? Just because I don't think about my shot as long as I probably should. I don't know. Maybe it's bad at decision making. Yeah. Good know. disc golfer. Good. Yeah, well, potential is there. I, mean, I promise. Potential's there. I I'm not going <laughs> to say I'm a good disc golfer. Mediocre at best, but I wouldn't say I'm bad. Okay. Give hey, me at least a little I mean, bit of slack, Chad. So mediocre to me is still good, right? I mean, that's like intermediate. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're at. So mediocrity is honestly how disc golf makes its money. Let's be honest. Exactly. Like, there's a lot more media. There's a lot more mediocre players than there are. Good. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my. Um. Yeah. I mean. Anyways, if you guys have any other questions or comments about Nico and how you felt it was treated and should have been treated, or questions about, um, maybe another take or angle that we haven't looked at yet, feel free to drop them in the chat. Now's your chance because we're going to start getting off of the Nico topic. Uh, but we have one more sponsor to talk about tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually had uh, Mr. Les Norwood in the chat just a minute ago. Um, and he was the one that reached out from Disc and Disciples. Uh, and they are a sponsor of this podcast. Uh, you should check their schedule out on UDisc uh, at Disc and Disciples. Just search it. You'll find it. Trust. Um, they play PDGA sanctioned rounds on Monday, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. Uh, it is free to play if you just want to come hang out, play a little bit. Um, they have fellowship. Uh, you can grab a sanctioned league round pass or check out their gear as well at store.discandisciples.org. Um, they also put on several tournaments throughout the year to help fundraise for various causes, both in the disc golf community and beyond. Um their link, uh, their link and Lone Star's link will be in the bio of everything, the description of everything that we put out. Uh, so a huge it. thank you to Diskin Disciples. Um, one thing that I did um, see here, did want to point out was... We are going to be doing a collaboration giveaway uh, very soon with Disc and Disciples. Um, we will get you some yes. more information on that. Um, preferably this week, we will see what we can do, what we can come up with. Uh, hopefully come up with something really cool for you guys to uh, enter and win. Uh, we do not know yet how we're going to do it, um, as it will be a collaboration. So we'll see. <laughs> but, I mean, the point is free stuff. 
Exactly. Let's be honest. Who doesn't free love stuff, free guys. stuff? I, I mean, love free stuff. I love free stuff too. Um, yeah. Huge fan. Huge. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. We only had one more comment about the Nico thing, so I think we can cover this comment and and move on. Less disc and disciples man himself uh because nico's suspension is considered a class a the standard suspension is 24 months um i do want to point out you know according to the rules it carries in up to 24 uh, months not uh hard you know set 24 months and that's um, also the reason that they did nine month plus 15 month suspension after or not suspension right. but probation yeah, unless continued to say after that, but is limited by mitigating factors. It likely means that uh, because it was less than the nine months, Nico cooperated in a very satisfactory fashion with the PDGA, which hopefully means he's learned his lesson, uh, his lesson which is a good thing. Um, as far as I've heard and understand it, ever since the secondary situation where on the course when he was asked about it, he did not cooperate. We haven't heard anything that denies that. Uh, I've fully believe that when he finally got his head level and uh, around the time that he probably got his you know apology onto instagram that was mm-hmm. about the time when he started to realize that was when emotions started coming in it's like oh my god what did was, i do uh, um, that, that that's you know, when this came in you know when he's that's, like, that's when the uh, the oh no and i would imagine he probably cooperated very well after that point so when they started taking it to the committee you know the committee you probably questioned him directly so on and so forth i'm sure he did um however you know i I still think you're talking even though it's a class a it, it really nine months was probably more than he should have got considering it's a first time so I, I really don't want to discount the effect of the non-cooperation post-round before he started cooperating had on the situation because I think that is the biggest determining factor in the suspension that he got. And I think that's the part that most people are forgetting about. When most people were talking about it on Twitter, um, I had commented back to a couple of different feeds about, hey, this is, you know, a lot of people are talking like Paul mentions the Class A and that he doesn't feel like it's a Class A. But nobody is talking about the fact that PDGA in an official statement said he didn't cooperate. He basically, you know, it, it's obstruction of justice is essentially right. a layman's term for what he did post round. Um, and I think that had more of an effect on the total outcome than almost anything else that happened. Um, yeah. And there were a few people in on Twitter who even replied back like, I didn't even know that that happened. Yeah. You know. So if you didn't know, now you know. Now you know. Hello. I mean, we covered it into detail pretty well. Um, pretty, pretty well. Pretty dandily. Yeah. But uh, let's go ahead and do ourselves a quick preview of the Ledgestone Open and right. call it a night. Why don't we? Yeah. So, um, Ledgestone, we know that um, it's usually always a really, really good event. Um it's usually pretty hard. Um, <laughs> One of the more diverse events that we see is, throughout the year as uh, well. Probably, what do they call it? Northwoods Black? Is the, yeah. Is, so it's Northwoods Black. Okay. So North, Northwood. That's what I was wondering. I didn't know if it had the okay. S or not. So Northwood Black is one of the m- probably most terrifying courses to score an under par round at. Um, 
there's going to be a lot of your favorite pros scoring even and over par at, at yep. Northwood. I really thought it was interesting, too. Um, the layout as it's basically coming from uh, UDISC right now, round one will be at Eureka Lake, which is easily a much more scorable course. That's going to be where most players are going to want to make their biggest moves. Round two and three at Northwood, which means moving day will be at Northwood, and then you're going to finish at your Eureka Lake on day four. Again, that's going to be where scores look to make their moves. I really thought it was an interesting play to make sure that moving day and likely cut day is going to be at Northwood versus Eureka. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like it. <laughs> I do, too. I like it. I, I like the change. Um, I At least you can see how it works, you know? It Absolutely. puts a lot more pressure on a very hard course, and I'm about it. I'm excited. To, I, this is the first one. I'm not going to lie. This is the first tournament uh, since European Open that I've been excited to watch. Um, I don't know why. I just I never really have enjoyed D-Glow that much, um, but I do enjoy Ledgestone. So, you see, and I'm, I'm not the opposite. I love Ledgestone, but I do really love D-Glow, too. Yeah. I love Toboggan. I didn't like Toboggan this year, actually, but I love Toboggan. Yeah. Um, so, what we are going to do for you, guys and girls, is we are going to do um, a little game. Right? You want to explain it? Uh, yeah. Oh, grip six. Uh, yeah, let's, let's do it. So, basically what we're going to be doing um, is essentially... We are going to be um, using the UDISC uh, Pick Six um, grip as six, pick six. yeah the Grip Six Pick Six as a little bit of a baseline for us. So we're both going to make, and this is not the best strategy strategy to win. I want you guys to know. So if any of you guys are going to be, you know, like, you know, using this as information. Don't use this as information, okay? If you want to win the Grip 6 Pick 6, this is not the format to do it in. You're actually more likely to lose how we are. We're going to pick three MPO players, three FPO players, in terms of who we think is going to be our best chance to win and see who has the better um, Pick 6 score next week. Right. This will be the best way um, for us to keep up with it as well. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, it'll be interesting. I'm yeah. pretty excited uh, yeah. about a, a concept. I don't know that this game's going to stick around forever, but we're going to try it this week. Maybe we'll work it in week in, week out, and then uh, after that, we'll probably probably give you a, a little dark horse pick for for each one of those. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things I do I do want to kind of point this out here. Um, Northwood Black, par sixty eight. Last year, round three. Um, Calvin Heimberg scored a, seven a 67. Down? No, round three. Oh. Round three, 67 on Northwood Black. Scored 1034 rated. Which means that, if, for those of you guys who don't know how difficult Northwood Black is, over par is 1,000 rated. Yeah, over 1,000 rated. It's basically two over is approximately 1,000 rated. That is absolutely ridiculous man it is nuts could you imagine i mean imagine these players who go out and do silly stuff like paul Macbeth goes to courses and hits 18 downs perfect rounds and two over is still what's a thousand rated that means he has to get three under 
to get his rating of 1050 approximately wild it's just uh, it's incredibly hard um <laughs> chat's out here asking could the course schedule uh be for more entertaining final rounds since um most will probably wa only watch the final round i think it's interesting if you talk about the watching aspect i still feel like m you know more of us are entertained by watching players in the woods more often than the open style courses um, however, viewership angles and all of that sort of stuff is definitely better laid out on the open courses, which does probably play into the factor of them um, putting the final round at, at Eureka Lake because you can get any angle you want out there. Yeah, and, and Eureka is oh, a very beautiful, beautiful course. A beautiful course, and it's a little more like, you know, it's it's more eye-catching in terms of the fact that it's been on the tour enough times that people see yeah. it and they know it. Some of your more casual watchers will probably look at Eureka and say, hey, I remember that course. Like, Whereas hey, Northwood, like, like Northwood, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of wooded courses that are iconic and you can see the lane and say, oh yeah, you know, that's Maple Hill. Northwood still doesn't really have that notoriety yet because they've changed the layout so many times over the years. Um, just this is only the hard. second year. Yeah, this is only the second year we're watching Northwood. So it doesn't have that notoriety in terms of like somebody puts a camera view down the lane of a wooded course. They're probably going to be like, ooh, that looks hard. But they're not going to be like, yeah. oh, yeah, hole three on Northwood. Mm, yeah, I know that one. That's going to be a toughie. So interesting. Interesting. You want to start with your MPO picks? Uh, Sure. Uh, So just as... Reminder. Looking for a reminder. Yes, my notes. So. You got so many notes. I do have a lot of notes. Um. As. Uh, as we do this, I'm going to follow along a little bit on our power rankings from last week. And we have Calvin as number one in the power rankings. And I think that Calvin can pull out this win. Um, I'm going with Calvin. Okay. Uh, I'm, That's also, good. I'm also going to stick pick. with the uh, inside the top five of our power rankings, and I'm going to pick Chris Dickerson. Um, and then the third place spot, um, I don't really know what I'm going to do with it yet. Um, I like a lot of choices here. Um, Ricky, his scrambling is going to be very helpful. Um, Gannon is really good. I just feel like something's going to happen this week with all the all the backlash. Um, whether it be good or bad, I don't know. Uh, Simon, Simon is kind of my sneaky pick to where I think he could actually do very, very well. Um, if he's hitting his lines that day, he slays out on Northwood. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Simon right. as my third. Okay. Uh, you know, quietly trying to sneak on that, that leaderboard from last year. For those of you who don't know, last year, MPO's final round was canceled. Um, they basically gave Ricky and Calvin the tied win. The tie. Um, so I don't know. I don't feel like Calvin's going to have that 
great of a round. I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna go a little sideways. Actually, I'm gonna pick Drew Gibson to win. Uh, I'm gonna go. Yeah, right. All right. Yeah. Usually, all right. usually you're the one who picks like this, and yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm, all right. What? Drew Drew Gibson to win. I think he's gonna be slinging that orange mid range <laughs> all over the course. Um, I'm gonna go Chris Dickerson second place. He might even have a chance to push for the win. We'll we'll see how it goes, but uh, you know he definitely loves his woods. And second year on Northwood Black definitely gonna yep, have a better be a game better. plan this year than than last year. Um, and then third, third is a hard one. That's what I said too. I'm gonna go really, really sneaky here. Okay. And this is gonna bite me. This this. He's going to miss the cut because I'm picking him. I'm going to go Anthony Barella. Oh. If he misses his cut, gonna, I'm no, going to be mad. No, I'm but... not going to lie. I think the first two rounds, I think he'll be up towards the top. I truly do. Um, <laughs> I think that's a good pick. Third round, I don't think he misses the cut, but... Uh, I mean, I, I don't hate the pick. I really don't. AB a- is a very good disc golfer. He's a very good disc golfer. And yeah. when things are going his way, man, is he fun to watch. Yeah, and it, for me, it's it's probably going to be how healthy is he, mm-hmm. you know. All right. So um, I'm going to go on over to FPO. FPO. Um, it's got Kristen Tatar on here. Um, is she here for Ledgestone? She is still listed as registered on UDISC and um, PDGA right now. I haven't, I'd have to check. Is anybody in chat, have you seen Tatar's socials? Is she confirmed playing at Ledgestone or is she going to be a late dropout? Yeah, if you're in chat curious. and you know the answer, give us a heads up. Um, uh, while I'm looking at chat, uh, Les Norwood saying, I'm thinking Corey Ellis has a great shot at podium uh, out of Ledgestone. If he continues to play the way that we've seen him play more recently, absolutely. There's mm-hmm. no no reason he shouldn't have at least an opportunity for podium finish. I'm willing to guarantee that he's going to make the cut given how he's been okay. playing. It would either take an injury or day two at Northwood has just got to really destroy him for him to miss the cut. Uh, on this one the way he's been playing so um honestly making the cut is is the most important thing when cut day is at northwood <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just i gotta I'm, i cannot you know discount that fact particularly <laughs> I, I i agree i do agree um so i'm gonna avoid um avoid that a little bit i'm gonna save a spot right there for Kristen, if she is, uh, I mean, because she will 100% be there um, in my top three if she's playing. So, I'm going to pick um, Katrina. Oh, I'll give you a pause here real quick. Chat is giving us confirmation that Kristen is, in fact, in the States and will be at Ledgestone. Kristen to win? So, so just remember, just remember if she ends up, you know backing out we're blaming you chat <laughs> yes totally but I, it's okay because my other two have just enough confidence that they'll pull this home for me so i'm going with Kristen, katrina and Paige. so i've picked against Paige every single time this 
season. Okay? Okay. 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 I like the way that she's going to play at Eureka. Right? Um, Northwoods, I'm just hoping that she's got her line hitters on. So, if she does, it'll be untouchable. So, I, the reason that I'm doing this is because I, if Kristen wasn't there, I was not going to pick Paige either. But I feel like something something about Kristen being there will bring out the, the competitor, more or less, of Paige even Good more. Page. Um, So I'll keep Katrina there, too, because this those three battling it out, ah. Oh, that's that that's good disc golf. You know what I mean? Like that is good stuff to watch. So Yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I, I can I cannot disagree with that in any way, shape, or form. Um you know I'm gonna pick I don't know. Okay, so this is this is the thing. I harped on Eagle's ability to play after an injury and he just went out at the European Open and absolutely slapped me in the face like just made me look bad and because of that eagle yeah at european he made me look bad man he made me look like i know nothing about this golf so now i'm going to pick christian as well i'm not going to pick her to win uh northwood is just such a tough track um and i just don't know how much she's been playing recently um but i am going to pick her in my top three I'm going to go Paige Pierce to win. There's going to be a little fire in her with her documentary releasing. I'm excited to watch it. There's a little little bit of like, I think that documentary is going to fuel her to a victory here. And I'm going to go wild card. I really liked what I saw at her last event. Um, I'm going to go Macy Valadez for third place. She has to stay clean in the woods, though. She will tear Eureka apart. I have no question about that. She needs to keep it clean at Northwood. If she does that, she has the distance. She has the lines. Um, it could be a good opportunity. All right. So um, the next thing after you get that, you save your picks. It says, how many total strokes under par will the MPO and FPO champions score combined? Okay. So... Um, okay, before before we before we get too far into that, let me double check. Oh well, I already saved mine. <laughs> oh well, here we are. I was gonna give you, you know, a good little like. Um, just before we know, I I put in twenty three. Just just so actually, because now I'm curious. Well, now I have to double check here real quick. Round hole. That's right. FPO plays at Sunset Hills. They don't play at Eureka. That's all right. Okay. Similar concept in terms of how the course plays. Um, but it's just a little bit of a different course. But they are playing the Northwood Black FPO layout. The FPO layout for Northwood last year, par 68. Um, pages 64 in round one last year rated 10-10. Okay. And she hit a 67 on the par 68, was 990. Okay. Uh, versus Sunset Hills, let's see. Sunset Hills played as par 61. 995 rated was a 54 for that 61. That's seven under. I went too low. 
math chat. Wednesday. Always got to check your sources. See, my Always sources was so, my uh, ridges on my brain. So I think, admirably, the winner is going to shoot three down both rounds combined. Uh, well, six down combined, three downs per round, approximately from Northwood. Um, and that means that they're going to shoot, we'll call it six down per day at sunset. So 12... You're saying eighteen uh, down just for FPO? Or just for FAPO. Crazy. Okay. Just for FAPO. Um versus MPO. Yeah, I'm gonna go big. Yeah. Do it. Here. I'm, I'm gonna go big. I'm gonna go the... I'm gonna go forty two combined. Forty two. Alright, well, you're nineteen strokes above me. We'll see who's closer. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I can't wait to see who wins that. Yeah. That'll be cool. Be. What about a Dark Horse, though? Um, so I don't really know how Dark Horse uh, it is anymore, but I'm going to throw Chandler Kramer in. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off of Chandler Kramer for this event in terms of I think Northwood is just going to be too technical. Um. For his forehand only approach, uh, it's more of how much time does he have to prepare, how many times has he played this layout, and even missing by a foot is could be a double bogey on Northwood. Um, uh, so chat is asking, How is coverage looking with MPO and FPO not playing the same courses? Uh, will there be live for both? Not sure who is covering or how big their teams are. So, yes, there will be uh, – I would assume that these courses are very close to each other. Um, but Disc Golf Network will be covering both, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Um, there may be a little bit of travel for them, and they may actually space out MPO and FPO a little bit. But 100% there will be coverage, I am sure of it. Um so and you're gonna get FPO, FPO Northwood on the days MPO is not on Northwood, which is actually very nice. It should mean that the the course will stay clean and and separated. Um, should yeah. make streamlining from first round or from FPO round to MPO round a little bit easier as well. Yep, that's what it seems like to me. Who with it? Dark horse. The Dark Horse. Himself. David Feldberg? <laughs> I'm going to go Emerson Keith. Okay. This is probably his first tournament back since the uh, issue. Still. Yeah. Be interested to see see what he does out there. What about Fapo? Um, so, a Dark Horse in FPO is going to be... Don't have it up anymore. But, um, here we go. Here we go. So, all right. Why will it not let me scroll? How dare you? Um, all right. I'm going with Alex Benson. Oh. 
She did well at the Mid American Open. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Okay, I'm That's gonna go with. Course. I'm gonna go with the other Mandahano sister. I didn't think I'm gonna go with Alexis. Course, but she... How many wins does she have, bro? Oh, are we going off dark horse like that? No, no. Oh, but just you know, sneaking your way up into the top of the leaderboard a couple of times throughout the year does not take you out of dark horse status yet. I'm sorry, but I mean, okay, yeah. okay, I, okay. To be honest, Brody Smith could do really well at this thing. Just, just it's all about that out there. It's all about Northwood. Northwood. For those of you who don't know, Northwood is the make or break of this tournament. Mm-hmm. I am willing to bet that, I mean, final day for MPO at Eureka Lake, it will be a three-man race at the best. Uh, and it'll basically be a birdie or die situation for Eureka. Um, Northwood is where you're really going to have to set yourself apart to have a chance to win this event. I agree. Now, for FPO, it's a little bit different because final day will be on Northwood, but the FPO track does not play nearly as difficult as the MPO track ratings-wise, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm excited one thing, to see it. Yeah, one thing is is definitely for sure is I'm really excited for this event. Me I too. love I'm Northwood. Glad. I, I'm glad that uh, I'm excited to watch an event again, Um, so... We'll see how it, how it plays out, as Yuli would say. <laughs> Let's see, how, Let's see how it plays out. But, well, I think that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I got, too. Um, Chat, you got did, anything else? Yeah, we knew this was going to be a shorter episode. Uh, we just didn't do very much watching of the Mid-American Open. So it was mainly a Nico show. Kind of discussing some issues, uh, talking with chat, all of that good stuff. Um, huge shout out. Uh, we will give a shout out to uh, our sponsors, Lone Star Disc and Disc and Disciples. Um, also, Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the pod status pages. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate every single listen. It goes a long way. Um, we're doing great. Yeah, <laughs> we we are. I'm I'm really happy with how the podcast is turning out, and it's all thanks to everyone listening. So, appreciate yeah. you. John individually. Chess says, what tourneys are y'all playing next? Uh, I don't have any on my schedule. I, I don't have, have to, any on my schedule either right now. I get to work like the next three Saturdays in a row because one of my bosses unfortunately had a heart procedure, an emergency heart procedure done. So I'm not going to have a Saturday off for a while, unfortunately, um, which kind of kicked my last plan to play in a tournament coming up. But we will see. Yep. I mean, that's Uh, all it is. Cooler weather out here. I don't know about on your side, but we're expecting cooler weather the next couple of weeks. I'm pretty excited just to get out and play and hopefully be just a little less sweaty. A little less, I'm just, you know, two holes in yeah. and exhausted already. <laughs> I'm just ready. I'm just excited. Yeah, I'm just ready to get back out there and start throwing my plastic again. I... Dro- drop that, <laughs> drop the humidity down a little bit. Plus, take five week, degrees off the top. Next week, the overtime at my work stops. So that's that's a big deal. Excited Ooh. about that. Been working overtime since June second. So mm. uh, I'm ready for that. 
that that just a little bit of overtime every day like puts a damper on my disc golf so much <laughs> it's it's I mean crazy. the extra cash is nice but you sometimes you have to wonder how much how, how worth it is it you know <laughs> I don't like overtime I don't know <laughs> all right well with that I mean shoot we've already gone almost 30 minutes longer than we thought we would this episode thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in um this is the Tennessee Twos Disc Golf Podcast, and it's not possible without you guys. Uh, so we really appreciate you. Um, we hope you tune in next week. I'm going to put out just a little apology in case for some reason I can't really talk about it. Uh, if for some reason we don't have an episode next week, it is my fault. Um, but uh, if that happens, I'm sorry. Hopefully we should be on track. But We'll get something done, regardless yeah. of what it is, to Absolutely. Re- recap Ledgestone at the very least, even if we don't do a full-blown episode. But I yep. uh, appreciate you guys all for listening. Tune in again, and make sure you check out the socials, interact with us. Uh, we love talking to you guys. Absolutely. And we will see y'all on the next hole. Peace. Peace.